Mental Health Check-In Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing mental health awareness as a means to help us all heal, so let's just heal together. I am happy to say that in this episode, we'll be healing with Zara, better known as her online persona, X Crazy Lady X. By day, she's a therapist and sometimes a boxer. By night, she's a Twitch streamer. Sometimes she's gaming on Twitch. Other times she's giving these like free therapy sessions just live on the air, which I always thought was just super cool. And I'm happy to have her on the podcast to offer some of that special brand of healing that she offers on Twitch. And you'll hear from her in a second. But first, I just want to let you know that if there's more that you want to see and hear from Zara after this episode, then you can check out her Twitch streams at xcrazyladyx. And you can follow her on Twitter at crazyladytwitch. Twitter is also where you can keep up with updates from the Mental Health Chicken podcast. At Checkin Pod, catch up with us on Instagram at Checkin Podcast. Find us on Facebook. You can find us on UpliftYourDiet.com, and be sure to like, follow, view, and subscribe to us on every podcasting platform. It really helps get this podcast out there to the people who need to hear it, people who need the healing, or at the very least, just. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends who could use some healing right now to check this out. But for now, let's just dive right into this. Let's just first just just start small. Like, how are you feeling on a mental, physical, spiritual, emotional level right now? Hmm, Man, you ask the hard questions. See, the easy (laughs) questions would be like, Zara, can you explain to me a psychological concept? <laughs> I've been like, I got that. But you're going the emotions way, uh, which is good. I like it. I like it because it's important to check in on all of this stuff. I think mentally, feeling a little bit overwhelmed with, with life right now um, because I am, for you guys who, who know the community, I'm pursuing my PhD um, and I just started a, a new term with PhD, which has been interesting. Um, Yeah, so it's just, it's kind of a lot of work right now. And so I think mentally a little bit much. Yeah, I hope that load lessens a little bit, either it gets easier or just a weight just kind of gets off your shoulders a little bit. I understand PhD is really tough work and just being a therapist is just tough work. So I guess I wanna ask just to start a little bit slower, I guess, ease into it. Why did you become a therapist? Mm, okay. Good question. Um, I have always just been really, really interested in studying people. I think from like a young age, I've always just been interested in like human behavior and why people do things. And I've always wanted to learn how to explain like why I do things and why the people around me behave the way that they do. And if there are ways we can change that, because I was always a person who was raised on a very like, you know, you are the way you are mentality. 
um, and learning so much about like evolutionary psychology, which is what I started learning. It was always very interesting to understand. It was like, are certain things hardwired into us? You know, are we just who we are? Are there ways we can change? Are there ways we can understand why we are certain, like why we have certain behaviors, why we have certain personality types and different tendencies? So I think I just have like a super general, really big interest in behavior overall. And so I think that's why I started to get into it. And uh, I started my therapy career as a psychometrist. So doing diagnosis and assessment, which is basically the observation part. And then therapy is more of the healing part that came later. So with you wanting to learn more about people in that regard, has learning about therapy and all of its constructs kind of made life easier for you? If not, just what type of just general benefits have you gotten from becoming a therapist? Hmm. I'm not sure if like, if easier is necessarily the word, but I think it makes it more understandable. I think it's easier to understand other people, to have compassion for other human beings and to have compassion for yourself too, which is I think one of the big things that being a therapist and studying mental health and psychology has taught me is that things really take time, whether they're things that other people need to change or things that you need to change. So I think like studying mental health and psychology has just given me a really good understanding of, you know, what, what when we need to have patience um, and why certain things are happening. We need to have patience with ourselves. and we need to take a step back and understand what's going on in our present um, and in our past and in our future. So I think it's, it's just, it's really done that for me. That's a really big, if I can share any concept with clients, it's patience. Have patience for yourself. We are our biggest critics all the time. And the last thing we want to do is add more criticism. So if you can be your own friend, it's very, very helpful mentally. I agree with that. And it's something you kind of hit the nail on the head there when it says, when you said that we need to be more compassionate with ourselves, because that's something that I had to learn like this year, like when I was going through depression, it kind of I realize that I'm a lot more patient and considerate and compassionate with other people than I am with myself. Like, uh, like one of my close friends told me to just be kind to myself. And that was such a foreign concept to me, you know, like just be kind to myself. That's, it sounds so simple, but it's a lot harder to do. And it's a thought that never occurred to me until then. But in, in more recent times, I have been trying to take steps to, be kind to myself, be gentler with myself, knowing, knowing where my heart is and knowing what needs to be done to heal myself. And I think that's a lesson that different people need to learn different ways. I'm kind of rambling in that regard, but I guess I should follow that up by asking, um, how does one be kind to, to themselves or be considerate, learn compassion for themselves? Mm, that's such a, such a good question. And sometimes a very complicated question, right? Because depending on your history and depending how you grew up and what you were taught about yourself and other people, it's not always, a, it's not always clear, right? It's not always clear, like, what do I have control over here? What don't I, what do I need to change, right? Like what's most productive for me? The first step is definitely identifying that, right? Is like, what am I, am I trying to change anything? Um, and if so, can I set a goal for that? And can I give myself time? Can I give myself understanding? I think understanding is a really big component of this 
Because again, going back to the idea that we're usually really, really hard on ourselves, right? Like we probably notice things about ourselves that we're critical of that nobody else on the planet has ever noticed <laughs> or nobody else cares about, right? Things that we're just like, oh man, that's, that's terrible. This makes me a bad person. I am self-conscious of this. I need to change this. I need to fix this. I said that stupid, right? Like things that no one else are ever going to notice. And just to start to understand why we're doing that, where does that come from? And to know that you're not alone in that um, because every single human being, no matter how confident they seem on the outside is doing that on the inside. Uh, so really like get that you're not alone in doing that. You're not alone in these thoughts um, and that it's super, super critical to be understanding of where those thoughts are coming from. And that's like a whole nother thing, figuring out where critical thoughts are coming from, but uh, identify them, understand them and know that it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. That little voice, that little inner critic that tells you not to have compassion for yourself, it actually does care about you, the inner critic. It's trying to make you a better person. It's trying to make you change. It's trying to motivate you and drive you. And if we can become friends with that little inner critic and be like, okay, I understand that maybe you're a little over the top sometimes. <laughs> and it's only because you care about me. It's only because you want to push me to change. Uh, then we can start to befriend our critic, which is kind of cool because now the thing, the voice that was so harsh that didn't let us feel that compassion for ourselves, it can start to become a friend when we realize that it's productive. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think it makes sense, but I also kind of want to expand on that just as like, especially in regards to, I think like me personally, I feel like that may derive from like the ego, the ego that's telling us like things that may be hurtful and it's trying to protect us. But sometimes the ego can do more harm than good. So I, I guess in trying to befriend that inner critic or befriend the ego, like how do you strike a balance? How do you recognize that voice in your head is helping you versus when it's hurting you? Mm, I And it, this is always like a a standard in psychology is something's harming you when it's disrupting your functioning, your ideal functioning. So if there's a way that you want to behave and you find yourself like really off from that, you find yourself doing things that you regret, doing things that you didn't mean to do, doing things that don't make sense to you. There's usually a voice in your head that drives that action, right? That drives the decision to do those things. Um, and that's usually the point. And a big one, for example, is like with social anxiety, right? If your behavior is that you find yourself not going out, you find yourself not interacting with people, you find yourself, you know, secluding yourself and maybe not going to a party that you actually wanted to go to or not seeing a friend that you used to be friends with, right? Like that's a dysfunctional behavior from what you're used to and from what feels healthy and productive for you. And if, there's a little voice in your head that tells you maybe you're not good enough to go to that party. Maybe you're not good enough to have this friend. That's when it's becoming unproductive. Does that require a certain level of, I guess, self-awareness in that? Like, like okay, you, let's say you recognize the voice, the inner critic in your head is just being critical and it's doing more harm than good. Where do I go to to find the voice that's going to put me in the right place or rather where I need to be? Hmm. So where do you, like, where do you find the, the voice? 
So that's going to challenge your critic. (laughs) Or do you find the voice that's going to give you compassion? Yes. Mm, Such such complicated questions. But um, (laughs) it's like, if only there was like a way that we could be like, okay, I'm going to switch voices now. And there kind of is, right? You kind of can actively do that. You kind of can be like, whoa, I was just really hard on myself. I just had like 10 thoughts in a row that were super mean. Can I you know, make a little character, right? And actually kind of a cool exercise to do this that we do um, in, a, in a form of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy is about like making little characters in your head. So give your inner critic like a person, give your inner critic like a, a physical appearance. Imagine him as a little dude or girl or whatever it is in your head, right? Imagine him like, or pick his clothes, pick, you know, how he looks, pick the expression on his face, um, pick where it is in your body, in your head, in your world. Is he sitting in front of you? Does he sit in your mind, right? Pick where the inner critic goes, visualize it there. So now you know where it is. You can locate the inner critic. And if you can locate the inner critic, you can address the inner critic. You can also start to develop characters that are your positive characters, that are your motivators, that are your friends, right? the voices that are there to challenge the inner critic and not to say, you know, inner critic, you suck. Like, you know, stop talking. Like, absolutely not. We want to listen to all the voices in our head because they're all telling us different things. And that's cool. We need a balance of criticism and motivation. We need that or we'd never grow. And so you can actually start to even like visualize. And if people like in the, in the chat, people listening even want to do it, right. Start to picture what it would look like to have a positive voice. What, visuals would represent that figure. What would it look like? Where would it be? What would it be wearing? Imagine the expression on its face and allow those voices to have a conversation, to have a realistic and and rational conversation, right? About what's going on, about what are real criticisms or what are criticisms that are over the top? What don't I have evidence for? What do I have evidence for, right? You can let your voices talk to each other because they talk to you all day, all day, every day, nonstop. And if you don't stop and like address them as actual voices, how will you ever know how to communicate with yourself? And how will you ever know when you're being unreasonable, right? It's just like if you had a friend who came to you and told you all this like really crazy, unreasonable stuff, you'd probably be like, whoa, friend, you need to like sit down and think about this. You can do that to yourself. You can do that between your voices. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And it it kind of calls me back to something I used to do in college where like, if I was ever unsure about something or just at odds in my head about something, I would like write these little mini scripts where I would have like myself and like a character I make up, which is really just me talking to myself on paper, just trying to rationalize certain things, certain situations. And by doing that, I would kind of like make sense of it. And I think a little exercise like that. And even like, I guess with like journaling, for example, like that helps to just kind of like visualize what's going on in your head a little bit, put it to paper and then just say, okay, now I actually can visually see in my head on paper what's going on in me. And this is why I think needs to be done to fix it. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, as a question, I suppose for you too, like, is there a particular reason that you're super interested in, in this stuff? Um, whether it's like, the inner voice stuff or the compassion for yourself stuff like what drives you um 
to want to know how to deal with it and how does it affect you? That's a really good question. Um, mm. Kind of two reasons. One being it's stuff that I studied in school. I got a minor in psychology. So yeah, so um, I've, I've always just been interested in just how the mind works. And two, just because like I mentioned it earlier, I just fell into like a really, really bad depression early this year, started from a really bad friend breakup that just had me in a mess. And I started taking steps to just figure out what's what's going on in my head and how do I heal myself, I guess. Cause like therapy wasn't an option for me, but this was like at the height of COVID, the height of lockdown. And I didn't think to like do like therapy calls or video calls. So I was just thinking I am out of luck until till lockdown ends or until COVID calms down and just waiting wasn't an option for me. So right. that kind of spun into me doing more work into just researching mental health awareness and mental health stuff. Then I turned into me doing this podcast to not only help myself, but hopefully help other people just because in my head, the way I saw it, as bad as I was feeling, I don't want anybody to feel as bad as I do if they don't have the resources or the awareness to go therapy themselves. So ever since then, I've been hoping to like make this be like, hopefully make this someone step one to therapy, like hear, like hear us have a conversation and starts their own conversations. Think, oh, I should talk about this more. or I should try this technique or this exercise, or I should just fly out, start therapy now. So yeah, that's a long winded answer for me, but. Yeah, those are the best answers. You know, we like the details. We like to understand what's going on for people. So definitely, yeah, a component of like studying it and trying to understand yourself, which is kind of similar to me too, right? Like that's definitely a really big motivator for me too, is trying to understand ourselves. Because if we can understand ourselves, we can understand how to better interact with the world around us too. Like if we, it's like the whole, you know, if a psychologist is not stable themselves or cannot explain things for themselves, like how can I do that for somebody else, right? So it's really important to care for ourselves in order to care for others and vice versa, right? And so it's very cool. It's very, very cool that you started this. And I really commend you for making a community like that and for starting a podcast. Oh my gosh, podcast, cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I guess to springboard from me to you with like a similar conversation or question, mm -hmm. I mean, like you already told me why you became a therapist, but if you don't mind my asking, how did your whole just interest in mental health and your mental health journey begin? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question too. I think I've like, I've been like this from a very young age where when I was a kid, I was always like an observer of people. Um, I always really, really just kind of kind of wanted to know what everybody was doing all the time. <laughs> that was me as a kid. I mean, what you doing? Why you doing it? <laughs> like, why? What are you doing? <laughs> and that was, that was totally always me as a kid. And I love science. Like, I love science so much. Um, yeah, I was, a little, I was a little nerd, Zara, and it was awesome. Um, I was always interested in, like, biology and chemistry and things like that. And then when I got to university, I actually never planned on going into psychology. I had always was interested in people, but when I was in high school, we never had any courses that were like intro to psych or like anything like that. I went to a very small high school in a small town. And so we never had psychology. And then when I got to university, um, I just had to pick between a bunch of things. I loved music. So I actually studied music in university too. 
Um, I love kinesiology because I was, oh, I've always been an athlete. Uh, and then, and then I loved psychology and I don't know what, what decided, what drew me to it, but actually I do know what drew me to it. That's not true. <laughs> I actually started out, uh, with a, a, like a double major course. It was a specialization in music and psychology. So my psychology interest actually started because I had a musical interest and I was a musician for my whole life as a kid and all my family is musicians. So music was always a really big part of our life. And then I also loved the sciences, just that I was, as I was saying, and then I found a way to combine them. I found a course that was like both major in music and in psychology. And yeah, it was just all about like how music affects the mind, how it affects mood, emotion, how personality relates uh, to musical interests, things like that. And so that's how to kind of how like, kind of in a different way I ended up in psychology is actually through music and then being interested in music and what music does for you and then learning about the psychology of that. And then when I was in that course, I got very interested in clinical studies. Um, and then it just all went up from there. And then I got a job as a psychometrist, went back to school, did my master's, working as a therapist, do PhD, it just all happened. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even think it through. You're not like, I have a plan and I wanna do this. It just kind of happens. Like day by day you make decisions and then all of a sudden you're here and then you're like, cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how life works that way. It's exactly how this podcast is going. I was just going just beat by beat. And all of a sudden, oh, I have a podcast now. And it's like I mentioned Uplift United earlier. Like that's how Uplift United came about. I went from having a podcast to, oh, let me get some friends together and make a podcast network. Let's see how that goes. It's uh, it's it's a weird transition, but, you know, just natural transitions, how life works, I guess. And going off what you said, first off, I think that's a super dope, different way to get in psychology. I think that's really cool. And from there, I want to springboard into just asking, how would you go from having interest in mental health, having interest in becoming a therapist, to offering your therapy, or at least your ideas regarding therapy, to Twitch? What what created, what made you want to create X Crazy Lady X? <laughs> well, first of all, the name is funny because I, uh, it's actually been my uh, gamer tag since I was like a kid, since I was like a little kid. So I was like 10, probably I've been gaming and it's just always in my gamer tag. And I, I was like, hmm, I feel like it's relevant now because now I'm a therapist, you know, a million years later. And uh, it's kind of funny to just like call myself crazy lady. So the name came from the idea that, you know, we're all crazy in our own way. And like, there's no such thing as normal. And I'm literally like a mental health professional calling myself crazy. So it was like a combination of like using my old like childhood game tag and also just kind of using it to like represent what I believe now as a psychologist. So it really, it's, it's a good, good summary, good summary name of like my personality and my interests and my history. So I really like it. And yeah, in, in terms of like moving into Twitch, I have always loved working with clients one-on-one. -on -one. Like I absolutely love it so much. But I felt like the more and more I learned about psychology, the more I wanted to share, the just more people I wanted to share it with. And I've spent so much, so much time in school and so much time like with clients and gaining clinical experience. And it's awesome. And I love it for me as a human. And um, I love it for the clients who I have, for the individual clients who I work with. But I felt like I just, I wanted to get it to more people. Like I felt like the people who are learning about psychology, who spend their whole lives like dedicated to this stuff. We, the, the psychologists, the therapists, the psychotherapists, um, 
we can impact a lot of people, but it's so, it's such a one-on-one -on -one thing. And I was like, there must be a way to reach more people at once. There must be a way to get it out to lots and lots of individuals in a fun way, right? Like in a, in a build a support community, have fun, make friends, um, you know, meet people from all over the world, just goof around, <laughs> but also take it as like a real, a real impactful thing. So that's why I wanted to do it is to reach lots more people with the knowledge I've acquired um, and to, to build a community, to build a community to do it with. And it's been a beautiful thing so far. I only started in the summer of last year and we've grown so quickly and I love everybody. Just shout out to chat, I love you. <laughs> shout out to the chat, shout out to my channel. Love you guys a ton. And it's been a fantastic community. I, and, and I'm hoping people are finding it helpful. And I find it helpful. I even learn things from my chat, right? Everyone's got different perspectives, different personalities. It's been a very cool learning experience and a cool way to reach a lot of people. I'm glad you have a lot of like reward out of it. I think a lot of other people do. I think you get like the best of both worlds with what you do. Like on one hand, you have like little fun things like art sessions and you play video games. On the other mm -hmm. hand, you offer like therapy techniques and you give like actual therapy on air sometimes it's it's like hanging out with your friends sometimes you goof around with your friends other times you have these super serious conversations with your friends and i think there's there's a special quality of that and i'm glad you do it thanks so much thanks so much yeah it is it is a special community i'm super thankful for it um and it's been a very cool cool thing to watch grow it's been very cool to watch grow I'm glad to hear that. And I guess to pivot a little bit, I meant to ask this earlier, but yeah, we went into like a lot of tangents. That's the beauty of conversation. So much, so much tangents. Yeah. But, take um, it wherever you need it to go, man. I'm here right. forever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the go ahead. So um, like when you, we were talking about like doing like exercises, I, for some reason my mind went to like exercise in the literal sense. And I, it reminded me that like you do exercise a lot, a lot of times on stream, like it's, you do boxing. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so I do traditional boxing and I used to do Muay Thai, but I've been a boxer for like six years. And then I did Muay Thai for about four years before that. And then karate when I was a kid, but you know, <laughs> everyone does karate when they're a kid. It's like just a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, how'd you, uh, how'd you get into boxing first off? Hmm. Um, I think it actually, I joke about taking karate as a kid, but I think it like turned into that because I just did martial arts for like a really big chunk of my life. So I did karate and then that turned into Muay Thai and then it turned into boxing. Um, I actually turned to boxing because I moved, I moved. Um, and then I left my Muay Thai gym when I moved and then I was just looking for a new martial art to get into. And then I joined a new gym and then I became really good friends with the coach and uh, I mean, the coach got along super well. And then I just fell in love with boxing and I fell in love with boxing because I don't think I'm much of a grappler, which was always my complaint with Muay Thai. <laughs> it's that it's too, it's too grabby and I didn't love it. Boxing is very, I like the, the speed. Um, I love the technique. I love the discipline of it all. I love the training. Boxing training is like the toughest training you'll ever do. And it's it's pretty kick-ass yeah <laughs> am i allowed to say ass on your podcast <laughs> you can say whatever you want i'm, I'm giving my go ahead now say everything you want 
<laughs> awesome. <laughs> do you do any exercise? Are you in gym yet? Yes, I actually do a lot of bodybuilding. Like it was one of those things that um, just I kind of like picked up. Well, I've been doing it like on and off over the years, but I was never like super 100% into it. It was something I'd pick up and then six, seven months later, get back into it, drop it, come back. But then like with quarantine, it's like, oh, well, what else is there to do? So I just full on like did the research I need for exercise and just got my body in order. Now I got like a little quarantine body, I guess. <laughs> and um, I guess from there, I kind of were asked because like, like, I don't know about you, but when I work out, I get there's a lot of like dopamine flow, like the best mood I can be in is like a post-workout mood for me. So I kind of want to see if you can speak to just what's that about as far as like the physical enjoyment of exercise and how that attributes to like a better mental health. I, I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So kind of how like physical and mental health go together. Yes. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think I would be a total mess without physical health. So (laughs) I can definitely speak to it being super important, super impactful, very powerful, um, both like chemically and physiologically and mentally and neurologically and all the words, (laughs) all the big words you can think of. That's what exercise does for you. Um, It is fantastic. It is so important. I think a really big thing about being a boxer too, is that you're a part of a team, right? And so having a connection, like having that social connection with people is really important and really beautiful. And yeah, you're right. Like when you said that, like after you work out, you're just in a state um, where everything is better all of a sudden, right? You feel so good. You're so proud of yourself. Your body feels good. Um, you feel ready to go. Like you're energized, but also kind of tired at the same time. It's like a good tired. And it's, it's really, really important. Exercise is actually, um, one of the, one big thing that I do talk to a lot of my clients about if they're not doing any kind of form of exercise. And and when I say exercise, I don't mean, you know, boxing for three hours a day, right? It doesn't mean you need to be in a club, hitting a bag, expending all of your energy. This could be like, go for a 10 minute walk, right? Do a five minute yoga video, like get up and stretch every couple hours. Just that, that amount of taking care of your body can have a really substantial impact on, big word, anxiety. Mm. Yeah, exercise is super, super important for um, helping with anxiety. That's because anxiety builds up so much actual tension in your body, right? Both chemically and physically, it builds up a lot of tension. And if you're not releasing that, if you're not letting your blood flow, if you're not letting your muscles release, that tension will stay with you. And anxiety, as we know, is one of the symptoms of basically every disorder ever. Almost every disorder causes anxiety and it itself is a disorder sometimes too, if you have all the symptoms, right? So super important, super, super important is my perspective. Absolutely. And I guess to piggyback off that, I should say that like there's an accomplishment in itself from just working out that helps your mental health in like a way of like, like I joked about having a quarantine body earlier, but like that kind of helped me in my depression. Like I was doing something that I think was benefiting my body in the long run. And like the more I've, it's, it's like an accomplishment that I can actually see when I look in the mirror, you know? And then on the same flip side, like me being in a super depressive state, and then I actually find some sort of energy to get up out of bed and then 
pick up a dumbbell for about 55, 60 minutes a day. It's like, oh, I, I did something today. I'm, I feel proud of myself now. There's something mm-hmm. to just that accomplishment factor to it that makes bodybuilding or just working out exercise and even just stuff like yoga meditation makes all that physical body stuff worthwhile I think oh a hundred percent a hundred percent and I'm glad that you found that in quarantine because it's been very very difficult for a lot of people to get their exercise game on during quarantine and I had to like you know drop a bunch of money on some weights and stuff like that but it's worth it it's like if I'm not paying for a year of gym membership I just took that money and then invested in a little in some weights and it's so worth it you guys like money is literally there to take care of you right like why do we work so hard for money if we're not going to use that money and have it take care of us right like like what what are we doing with it so i think spending like whether it's you know twenty dollars thirty dollars hundreds of dollars whatever kind of equipment you want to get get something small to motivate you to do some exercise during quarantine i think it goes a long way goes a super long way absolutely and I really love this conversation so far. And before we get out of here, I just mm-hmm. want to ask if there's anything that I just didn't hit the nail on. Is there anything like advice, for example, that you want people listening either in chats or people listening on Spotify or anything like that to take away from this conversation? Hmm. I think we covered a lot of a lot of good stuff. I think a really, really important thing to think about, which maybe we didn't get to go into too much might might be a thing that helps um, at this point is really just thinking about what your emotions are doing for you. So in this goes for like during quarantine times, outside of quarantine times, I know during quarantine times, our emotions are a little bit weird, (laughs) unpredictable or different than usual, or, you know, they're telling us different things or like we have more time to think about them. Some people have been saying like, I have so much time at home now. I'm just constantly having weird emotional fluctuations because I have the time to do it. And I have the time to think about what I'm feeling and it's weird and it's weird. And if you have time to think about how you're feeling, don't think that that's a bad thing. Take it as a good thing um, and embrace that, right? There's one thing to take out of everything is that emotions are always trying to communicate with you all of your emotions are trying to tell you something if you feel sad like you can feel sad if you're mad you can feel mad if you're happy you can be happy but just think about what it's doing for you right negative emotions if you have negative emotions here and now in quarantine whatever it is those negative emotions are trying to tell you that you miss something maybe that something needs to change um, that you need to set a new goal and emotions that we think of as positive, like happiness, excitement, joy, those are things that tell you you want something to continue. You're doing something positive. You're doing something you enjoy. You, you want this behavior. You want to learn that this behavior needs to continue and it's helpful for you. Um, so really just like a tune into what you're feeling. And I encourage everybody, even here in this exact moment, to tune into what you're feeling or how you've been feeling today and think, you know, if I was sad today, what does that tell me? What can I change? What can I learn from that? Can I embrace that sadness instead of being like, you know, I'm not supposed to be sad. That's, that's bad or ignore it and wait for it to pass. Um, we really want to learn from all of our experiences because they always tell us something. I think that's, that's kind of a, a helpful thing to keep in mind as we go through so many weird emotional changes in the state of the world um, is what can we learn? from? I think that's really a really perfect 
poignant way to end on. I really like the sound of that. And I hope people get to chew on that the more they they leave this episode. But before we leave this episode, there's actually one one more thing I have. Something I like to end every episode with. Like I call it giving people their flowers, where if we never speak again, you at least know why I appreciate you and I appreciate you. I appreciate you for creating the space that you've created on Twitch, not only as a means to just help people with mental health problems, but help erase the stigma surrounding having such conversations. I think that I think conversations like this are important to have. And I love that you use your space to create those conversations, especially on a platform like Twitch, which I think reaches a lot of young people who are more likely to deal with stuff like this or don't know where to find conversations like this. So I'm really glad you created the space in that regard. And I think that you've, I think it's cool that you're basically like doing free therapy on Twitch, especially for people who can't access therapy so easily. So I think that's super cool. Not a lot of people do that in the way that you do it. I'm so glad that you do it the way you do it and just just help people heal in their own way. Like, I think you're a guiding light to a lot of people and I'm glad that you're dedicating your space to that. And of course, I, I thank you for coming on this podcast. Yeah, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate um, all the love and all the positivity and all the feedback. And I want to hand some flowers back to you too <laughs> for also creating uh, creating a space online where people can can think, right? Be intellectually stimulated and and to reflect, to do a mental health check in. Okay, is there something I can do for myself? I think it's really important online to find communities like that and to spread these messages. And every single platform that does it is another way of spreading it, right? Like we're all building one mega community together online that's truly about support and that's about psychology and mental health and that's super cool so really we're just we're teammates we're just buddies